0: Business English Conversations course, which is now available. You should get on my email list. You should do it today, really. Get on my email list, free email list, because I will send an email to everyone on my list with a discount code, a discount code for the Business English Conversations course. So, if you want that discount code, of course, you should get on my email list. Join my email list at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. It's free. Just go to the bottom of the page, bottom of any page on my website. You'll see you can just enter your email. Then you'll be on my list. And probably next week, you will get that discount code. So, if you want my Business English, you want my Business English course, Get on my email list today. Today, do it today. What else? Oh, VIP members, you you don't need to worry. VIP members, you will get a bigger discount for my business course. So VIP members, just watch your email. That's coming uh, sometime next week. I will send an email to VIP members. You'll get the biggest discount. So that's business English. Please tell me, is the sound is okay? I think I fixed the sound. I had sound problems yesterday on the uh, show. Just the microphone settings got changed somehow. So please tell me if you're watching now live on YouTube. Tell me, is the sound okay today? Not too loud. Not too soft. <laughs> Not too quiet. <laughs> And I'll go by, I know some of you are asking questions, I'll get to the questions after. There is actually a good question about business English versus general English. And uh, I will try to remember to go back and answer that in a second. It's okay, sounds okay. All right, good. So, our topic today is quite interesting, I think. And it goes back far to something called acquisition versus learning. Language acquisition versus compared to learning. Language learning. And these, these are the words used by Dr. Stephen Krashen. Some of you may know Dr. Krashen influenced me a lot when I first started Effortless English, when I first started uh, teaching English. Huh. And well, that was a little after I started. When I first started trying to be good at teaching English. When I first started teaching English, I was not good. I just did what everybody else did. I used textbooks. I did everything that everyone else does and got bad results. And you know, after a few years of doing that, I started to feel, well, I need I need to figure out a better way, better methods. Because, you know, when I first started my first job teaching English, I was doing it just for travel, just to make money. In my mind, I thought, I'm not going to be an English teacher. This is just a one-time job. I was in Korea teaching teaching children. But it was not my career. I was a social worker at that time. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so, I just got the job because it was an easy way to live in another country and make some money. But after doing it a few times, a few jobs, teaching English, I started to really like it. And that's when I felt some responsibility. I felt, oh, I need to be good at this. I need to help my students. The students really are not learning. They're not learning to speak. They're not improving very much using these textbooks and studying the grammar. You know, all that school stuff. And then I remembered my own Spanish learning from uh, high school and university and it was the same problem. I studied, you know, university and high school, at least three, maybe four years of Spanish and could basically speak nothing and basically understand nothing. Maybe a little bit reading, but in terms of listening, basically zero level and zero level speaking after three or four years. And I thought, well, that's terrible. That's that's what something's wrong, right? These methods are not good. So anyway, I went back, I got a master's degree teaching English, and I found Dr. Stephen Krashen, who's very influential in language learning. And his uh, approach, he talks about the difference. He uses these two words, acquisition and learning. And the reason is he uses two different words because he believes there are two ways to learn a language, to get it in your brain. And what he calls learning, he's very specific about what he means by that. Like most of us, when we say learn a language, we're just using this word very, in a general way. We just mean, you know, it gets into your brain. You know it. But when Dr. Krashen talks about Learning. He's specifically talking about conscious learning, basically the school way of learning. Memorizing individual vocabulary words, memorizing grammar rules, studying and analyzing grammar, thinking is in your brain. You know, it's very conscious. Everything's very conscious. Trying to be logical, using textbooks. That's what Krashen calls language learning. And then he uses this other word, acquisition, for a different way, a natural way of learning. I'm using the word learning in many ways today. It's hard not to. Um, But anyway, Krashen's when he says acquisition, what he means is the natural way of getting the language into your brain, of mastering the language. Right? So, acquisition, that's what babies do. Acquisition, that's what children do. Because right? children don't study grammar rules, not until they're already fluent, right? But as babies, as little children, they don't study grammar rules, they do not. They make no effort, zero, zero conscious effort to memorize vocabulary, right? They do no textbooks, none of that. They learn it all totally naturally, mostly from their parents. And of course, others as well, but mostly from parents. And this process, Krashen calls language acquisition. What is, this word acquisition a nice word. It's used in business a lot. It means to possess something, to get it and possess it. It means it's yours and you own it, right? If you acquire, if you acquire a building, like in real estate, in business, if you acquire a building, it means you buy it, now you own it. You own it, it's yours, it's yours forever until you sell it. And so, Krashen, Dr. Krashen used the word acquisition for language, language acquisition, to mean the same idea. It means if you learn something from the language, that you own it forever. right? You, you, know, you'll, you won't forget it. It's not gone. When you acquire English in this natural way, you keep it for your whole life. You always have it on the other hand when you you learn the school way short term you remember it for the test right but then what happens boom it's gone maybe sometimes the next day it's gone sometimes uh, a week or a month later it's gone maybe a year it's gone but basically you lose it you lose it and it's gone if you don't continue to study and study and study and study with those textbooks methods conscious learning then you lose it all Right And And that was my experience with Spanish, definitely. So, I had, let's say, four years of Spanish. I can't remember. I think it was four years. High school plus college. Four years, but it's school. So, I studied and studied and studied. I had A's. I was very good in class. You know, I passed all my Spanish tests. Not just passed. I got straight A's. All my Spanish classes, I got A's. But after four years of that, I could not speak at all. Not at all. I could not understand anything, like any real Spanish. A conversation, even like an easy TV show, a very easy book, could not understand any of it. And then what happened was, after just maybe a couple years, maybe a year, after one year, I graduated from college, I've, poof, almost all of it gone. Gone, boom, gone, gone, gone. So all... I won't say all, I remembered a little bit, but most of it was gone. Like, let's say 90% gone. Poof! So, that was four years of effort, you know, of all that time in those Spanish classes. Mostly wasted, in a way, because I stopped and therefore wasted, gone. So, this is the idea. Acquisition means when you get the language into your brain, English, you have it forever. Even if you take a long break, even if you take a long break, like a few years, no English, it's still in there. But if you learn the old way, the school way, it's gone very quickly. <clears throat> now, of course, acquisition, you have to learn in a different way, it's more intuitive. Intuitive, meaning natural, meaning not conscious. You're not just memorize, memorize, memorize. It's more like it's more the natural way of getting the language. And of course, that's what effortless English is, right? Learning with your ears, doing a lot of listening, learning phrases, always learning from like kind of real materials, real stories, not individual words, not studying grammar rules, not trying to re- memorize lots of grammar rules and analyzing English, right? We're trying to mostly copy how children and babies do it. Of course, as adults, we change some things, but it's the general idea. That's how we do it. And that's what Krashen talked about. Krashen called it the natural approach. I call it effortless English. There are many names. Lots of different people have different variations. TPRS is another way of doing this. It's a specific teaching method. There are lots of ways. Steve Kaufman at The Linguist definitely follows this this way, this approach of natural language learning, language acquisition. And that brings me to today's story. <laughs> so, I'm going to show you really on YouTube. Yes, was it yesterday? Two days ago. It was yesterday. Yesterday, I watched a video from Steve Kaufman. Those of you who don't know, Steve speaks, I think he says he speaks 10 languages. He knows 20. So, he speaks he, he's good at 10 languages, very good, 10 or 11, and then he has another eight or nine that he's, you know, decent, so-so. He understands them, but maybe cannot speak so well immediately. That's a lot. That's to, like a total of 20 languages. Very impressive. Right now, just to give you an idea of what he's doing, uh, right now he's in Spain, but the last I don't know I think the last six months or a year he has been learning three languages at the same time Turkish Arabic and Persian so anyway I was watching one of his videos his recent newest video and I'm gonna show you on the screen if you're watching video you can see it here and it's called a new language learning theory multilingual exposure Okay, and, that's, and I just want to promote him because he's a really great guy so his name is Steve Kaufman Lingo Steve on YouTube Steve Kaufman and he, he talks about language learning he's very motivational and he like, like, like I do he also follows in, uh, this general philosophy of Dr. so of learning in an intuitive natural way mostly so that you get you really acquire the language not in a school way. Alright, so there's Steve. The point of my story. (laughs) Steve's in Spain right now. He's in Spain. He was in Croatia and now he's in Spain. And in this video, he talked about how he was very surprised that he has not spoken Spanish in a while. He has not been reading Spanish. So, he's been away from Spanish for many years. Several years. No Spanish, basically. You know, he he uses French, I think, and Japanese a lot uh, uh, most days. You know, and Swedish, I think he said. Those are his main three. He has been studying Turkish and Persian. I know, I think last year he was doing Russian. But basically, no, no Spanish for a long time. So, he said he was very surprised that after this long break with Spanish, that he came to Spain and... he feels like his Spanish came back very quickly and maybe even improved. That his Spanish possibly has even improved a little bit, even without any study, which is amazing. And, you know, he thinks it's because he thinks that learning many languages actually helps all of the languages, that even though he's not specifically focused on Spanish, has not specifically focused on Spanish for a while, that because he's learning these other languages, it's like that part of his brain is stronger. And this helps, even helps, the languages that he's not focused on, like Spanish. And he talked about how the other idea, and this is similar to what Dr. Krashen said, says in theory that when you acquire a language it's never gone right that it's always in there that once you get it once you really acquire it like a, a vocabulary words and phrases that you're never going to lose it you might get a little with your speaking you might get a little rusty we say rusty meaning it's a little slow you feel like you've lost a little bit but it will come back very very quickly so you didn't actually lose it. So, this is the good news. That you never really waste any time. This is what Steve was saying. That any time you're using to naturally acquire a language, English or anything, you never waste it. It means that once you get it, you have it in your brain somewhere forever, for your whole life. And this is great news. It means you don't have to get stressed out if you take a break. You don't have to get stressed out if... uh, you forget something because you're going to relearn it very quickly. And this brings me to my own story. So, I was watching this and I thought, well, you know, I kind of believe this in theory. I believe this uh, because I've seen research about it. I believe this because I have seen these kind of results with my own students. But I, I was thinking like, well, is it really true for me? So, I decided to test myself last night Uh, With Spanish, the last time I listened to Spanish was four years ago, four and a half years ago. Uh, 2015, I did the Camino de Santiago. (coughs) Excuse me. I walked this Camino de Santiago in Spain. Before that, I did about mm, three months of fairly, you know, intensive Spanish listening and, and learning. Using many stories and lots of listening all you know basically effortless English methods and I got up to maybe you know I was starting over because the school stuff didn't help me at all so it felt like I was starting from nothing but in that short time three months I got up to maybe a low intermediate level in Spain I was able to get around I could make hotel reservations I could f- call a guest house a- call a hotel on the phone you know make a reservation I could order food I had a few little simple conversations with people nothing advanced I was not fluent for sure not fluent but um, but you know I could kind of function a little bit it was good enough for my one month tr- uh, trip doing the Camino it was, and I was very happy with that result very happy so, I thought after watching after watching Steve, I thought, well, I wonder now, how much Spanish would I understand now? It's been four years with zero Spanish. In four years, no reading, no listening, no speaking, nothing. I've had zero Spanish in four years, four and a half years. So, I guess, you know, really, I, I have been thinking, I've been thinking probably I've lost most of it. I... You know, honestly, I've been thinking, oh, you know, it's, it's too bad. I stopped doing Spanish. Probably I've lost almost all of it. I'll have to start again from nothing. But just, just to test it, last night after watching Steve's video, I, I put on an, an audio, one of the, the mini stories that I used to listen to. Kind of one of the more advanced, not advanced, but like an intermediate level one. And I was amazed. I understood almost everything. And easily, not with no difficulty, it just, boom, came right back. I'm listening to it. I remember the, that story used to seem difficult to me. But after four and a half years, zero Spanish, zero in four and a half years, I'm listening to this story. I'm understanding all the vocabulary, all the grammar in the story, the whole thing. I can imagine the whole story again. It was amazing. I'm very, very happy about it. Very happy. And I said, well, let me test it. I tried a couple other of the audios that I was listening to. You know, during, when I was in Spain, walking the Camino, I had several audios I was listening to. So I just tried a few of them just for a few minutes and I could understand about 90%. Maybe I've lost a little bit, but not much. And that is amazing. Think about that. Four and a half years of no Spanish. Zero. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And yet, I still... 90% Have 90% of what I acquired in the natural way. Right? When I... It's a, such a big difference compared to my school experience. I had four years in school. After one year, it was gone. Most of it gone. I did three months, maybe four months, four months by myself, you know, naturally, independently of Spanish, And now, four and a half years later, I still have most of it. At least the listening. Now, I know my speaking dropped. Right now, probably I I can't really speak any Spanish right now. but, But because I know the listening is still there, I know maybe in a short time, I could get back to the same level of speaking, which was not very good. But still, I could do it. You know, it means that I didn't waste that time. That those four months, it's still there and it's very motivating. It means when you learn in this natural way, when you acquire language in this natural way, from real stories, from real audios, lots of repetition and deep learning, lots of natural reading, learning from real situations, not the textbooks, not the grammar, not individual words memorizing. When you learn in this natural way, you have it forever. It's very motivating. You don't have to worry about losing it ever. So it means I can start even after four and a half years after five years I can start Spanish again I'm not at zero I'm almost where I was four years ago I've lost maybe a little but not much so I can start and I'm already there again and gonna keep going so it's kind of like it adds up it adds up you don't lose it you don't lose it and it goes away it adds up it adds up it adds up now like I said I think I'll talk about Steve I want to talk to Steve Kaufman about this uh, because he has more experience about this but um, you know I do think probably speaking is the one thing that probably does drop a lot if you take a long break but it will come back quickly you're not going to lose it for a long time it will come back very quickly and you keep that you keep the reading you keep the listening it's so key it's so important so it's just a little it's just I just want to encourage you because everything you're doing now in the challenge our English challenge that you're not going to lose it. When you really acquire words or phrases, grammar, listening ability, any of this, you've got it and it's in there and it's in there for life. So be very encouraged that this effort, every effort you make, you keep it. It's not wasted. You're not wasting any effort now. So I know sometimes it feels like I'm not going fast enough but this is the really good news is when you get it, you've got it and it's yours. You have acquired it that's the great power of using the effortless English method of using these natural methods in general all right we're gonna do a little bit short show because I've got um, I know I'm late and I've got to get to bed my wife's got to get to bed okay I'm gonna answer this quick question uh, I remember at the top about business English if I can find it okay what is the point of learning business English If you're not completely fluent in regular conversation, well, if your general conversation is very bad, then um, you know you don't need to focus on business English. What you have to understand is that business English is not a different language. Okay, it's it's basically it's just vocabulary. Okay, we when we're doing business. we're still using general English, okay? It's still the same grammar, it's still mostly the same vocabulary. As I've said, in the business English course, in my course with my dad, my dad uses a lot of idioms. They're not just business idioms, they're general English idioms that are used in many situations. So why what what is it how does it become business English? It's just because, it's just because the topic is about business and money, that's all. So therefore you're going to learn some vocabulary connected to business and money, but it's the same language. So it will it will still help your general speaking ability. It's just like if you if you listen or you read a book about sports. Okay, it's not sports English, okay? You'll still learn a lot of useful English. It will help your general English. And you'll also learn some extra sports vocabulary, right? If you read about computers, you're going to improve your general English and you'll also learn vocabulary connected to computers. So that's all it is. Don't. It's not that complicated. Right, I'm going to jump to the bottom and work backwards here. How the baby's doing? The babies are doing great. Thank you. Okay. Now Pablo asks a very common question. What about learning two languages at the same time with this thought from Steve? I think it's better one at a time. Now I doubt. Well, Pablo, I also have the same exact feeling because I have always said one at a time. Focus on just one. Indeed, that's what Steve also used to say all the time. That's what Matt from MIA that I interviewed, right? Mass Immersion Approach. He says that. I think most people will agree because, um, you know, the big advantage when you focus on one, you can do a lot of intensity. You can get the most possible hours each day, each month in that one language. So you make faster progress in that one language, which is motivating. So in general, I still think one at a time is best. However, recently, I think Steve has changed his mind about this. You know, as I said, he's been doing three at one time, kind of jumping around between these three. And he has noticed a few different advantages doing more than one. We'll just say two. And what he noticed is that one advantage is that his brain doesn't get as tired or bored. So that sometimes when you're focused on just like just one language and you're doing a lot of hours, like our challenge right now, sometimes your brain just starts getting really tired. Like my brain uh, two weeks ago was getting tired with Japanese. uh... And he noticed that sometimes that when his brain was getting tired with Arabic, for example, that if he jumped over to Turkish, it was like it was fresh again. His brain was fresh again and the Turkish was kind of fresh and new. It gave him like a new challenge. So, he would do the Turkish for a while and then eventually his brain would get tired with Turkish and he'd go back to Arabic or to Persian. And just kind of rotating around, he found he could do more hours, more time overall with languages by sort of moving around with the different languages. I don't know. I'm curious. Let's, we'll ask him about that. We'll ask him when I interview him. Because uh, I haven't done that myself. I'm done, you know, like I'm just doing Japanese only right now. Yeah, Nasser says, I believed if you never use it, you lose it. You've proven me wrong, AJ. I thought the same idea, honestly, Nasser. I think somewhat that is true with speaking maybe writing too but in terms of listening and understanding with language it seems to be different it's kind of you know that we always say in English is like riding a bike you never forget it because some skills you don't forget like riding a bicycle if you learn to ride a bicycle you know in general you can take a break and not ride a bike for 10 years and after 10 years you can get on a bike and you can still do it you know, like that skill is, is like always with you. And I have found that actually. I've gone many years without riding a bike and then I'll, you know, it's no problem. Jump on a bike and can still ride one. So, um, in some ways, it seems that language ability is like this. When you learn it naturally, this is the key thing. If you learn it in the school way, it's not true. You do lose it. But when you learn it, when you acquire it <laughs> naturally, like with lef- Effortless English, natural approach, stories, all these things, that it is more like riding a bike, that whatever you get, you don't lose it. Not really. Maybe, you know, you get a little rusty, we say. Rusty means you're out of practice. So, same with a bicycle, okay? So, if I'm riding a bike all the time, maybe I'm really good. I can go fast. I can make big, quick turns, right? I'm very skillful with the bicycle. If I take a break for 10 years and then I get on a bicycle, can I still ride it? Yes, I can still ride a bicycle after 10 years. But maybe not quite so fast. Maybe not quite so skillful immediately. I might need a couple months of riding a lot and then I could do all those same things again. I think that's kind of what language acquisition's like. That you get a little rusty, but you still can do it. You don't ever really lose it when you... Acquire the language naturally. <laughs> and great minds think alike. Platforma23 says, it's like riding a bike. Exactly. Yeah, like Saeed says, and I feel the same way, Said. That's great. It means every time you're spending with the language, you're not wasting. It's not wasted. That motivates me a lot. I find it motivating also. It really helps my motivation thinking like, okay, well, you know, what's great about this is because a part of me, I guess, maybe you too, like I, there's a little stress. Like I think, uh, you know, if I, if I've got, I've, I must become fluent in Japanese until then if I stop, then I'm going to just drop down and lose everything. Right, there's a little bit of that fear. And now I kind of realize, no, that's not true. I can relax about that. And, and rather, every step I take is closer. And I'm not going to go back. Not really. So, and I find that very motivating. It's, it's like, ah, that makes me want to go more and do more. Because I realize that every hour I get is another hour closer. Yeah, like Alexi says, I assume for the school tutors and the education system as a whole, it's quite beneficial to keep us on the hook of being unable to interact in foreign languages. The best tutor is you, not an unfamiliar guy. Yeah, there is there there could be that element, right, where... Uh, what's their motivation for success like they, they if you don't succeed then you it's like an addict you got to keep coming back right more classes more classes more classes more textbooks more textbooks more textbooks more 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 keep coming back and never able I see this in Japan it's such, such a common thing people have uh, been studying English for I don't know 15 years sometimes 20 years you know like they do 10 years in school middle school now they start elementary school, so they do elementary school a few years, middle school for six, seven, eight, th- three years. Then they do high school for four years, then they do like two or three more years in university. <laughs> then as adults, they'll often they go to these like, you know, schools for adults, for tutors and things. And after all of that, they still basically cannot speak. It's kind of... It's sad. It's crazy when you think of it. I think It's hard to think of any other skill like this. If you spend that much time like trying to learn, I don't know, even like a sport or uh, any other topic, you usually you'll become pretty good after 10 years. After 10 years of doing something, you know, maybe not the best in the world, but if you do 10 years of guitar, you can probably play songs, right? After 10 years of guitar... Hopefully you can play some songs decently. You're not a professional, but you're you should be decent. You could be able to play the guitar decently, right? But somehow with language learning, it's like that, you know, ten years and still nothing. It's it's crazy. Definitely shows there's something wrong with that system and Yeah, like Merrick confirms this with Russian I, too, after a long break and no contact with the Russian language, was surprised that I was great at communicating in that language. Of course, I improvised a bit, but it was better than expected. Yeah, you know, especially with the speaking, you you know, yeah, it feels rusty, like we say, you know, you're not quite up to practice, but it is quite amazing how much you keep. And how quickly it can come back. Like if Merrick was to focus if Merrick focused on Russian for three months, doing several hours a day, it probably boom, he'd jump right up and and then keep going. Oh, cool. Junior here is learning Spanish. Great. I used this method to learn English. It worked, and now I'm using that same method of learning naturally with Spanish. This is Junior Jean Mary. I've been learning Spanish for three weeks, and yet I start to see some results. That's great. I don't know your uh, native language, Junior, but the good thing is that English and Spanish share a decent amount of uh, vocabulary, you you know, roots. So your English should help your Spanish. Yeah, like here's Aaron says, the school system has been trying to teach English to students in my country for nearly 10 years. The result is near zero. It's so sad. We're lucky to have a coach like you, AJ. Thank you, Aaron. It is sad. You know, this is what I, this is why I finally created Effortless English because I was in that system uh, in the beginning. And I also said, this is crazy. This is insane five years, ten years, and the students can't do anything. They can pass a test in grammar. They, they know more grammar than I do. I'm a native speaker, English teacher, and they know more about grammar rules than I do, but they can't speak, <laughs> and they can't understand. So, the grammar is not helping very much. <laughs> this is what I realized. And this is the truth, you know. In fact, it's probably true for a lot of you, because I know a lot of you... Uh, did a lot of English grammar study in school. Most of you probably know more grammar than I do in terms of you know the rules, you can explain all the complicated rules and exceptions, you know the names of all the grammar rules. You probably know more than I do because I I used to know it when I was first teaching English uh, because I needed to know it. But now, you know, I've forgotten most of it because I don't need it native speakers don't know that stuff we don't care if you ask most um, native speakers like what's the past progressive verb tense most of them will have no idea what you're I don't know they won't know they don't know that they've never heard that before we don't even think about verb tenses they're just so natural to us yeah Alexi says the matrix is everywhere the school isn't an exception absolutely Oh, my son says there's, I moved around between English and Turkish without a problem. It's easy because there's so much vocabulary between them. I didn't realize that there was a Turkish and English had some. Yeah, now see now, um, Rogelio says, what about if you pick one language similar to yours and another one with a different structure? Maybe you could learn both. It's not a bad idea. I think that's probably true. I don't... Again, I'm, this is, I'm not talking from my own experience, but based on what I've seen Steve talk about and some others, that if you try to learn two foreign languages at the same time, the it's best that, to learn two languages that are different from each other. So, for example, do not, not, don't do Spanish and Italian at the same time or Spanish and Portuguese at the same time because they're very similar... And then it's, you, especially as a beginner, it would become very easy, very easy to confuse them, right? To confuse the vocabulary because the vocab might be too close. And you might confuse, is this an Italian word? Is this a Spanish word? And even pronunciation, you might start speaking Italian with a Spanish accent, you know. There, you could do it, but it's better to maybe master Spanish first, and then do Italian later. So, mostly what I've seen, people who do two languages at the same time, uh, usually they recommend to do two different languages. So, for example, Japanese and Spanish, no problem. There's almost zero vocabulary the same. The grammar is different. You're probably not going to confuse Spanish and Japanese or Chinese and French. Okay, they're so different. It's unlikely that you will get them confused so that's probably good advice Rahelio, to if you want to try doing two languages you're already doing English so maybe if you want to try another one choose one that's you know fairly different than English maybe like um, uh, I don't know maybe more like a, an Eastern European language an Asian language not a bad idea Although, you know, many of you are quite advanced. Once you become advanced, it's it's not so, so much of a problem, I think. All right, a couple more and I got to go. Okay, so Abdo is asking about our next challenge. I hope when we finish the four month input challenge, we can also have a decent amount of time for output. What's your plan? I'm planning exactly that. So here's what I'm thinking. We'll do our challenge. Our challenge ends end of November. And this is an input challenge. Reading and listening, right? Natural input. And we're doing as many hours as we can. Then we'll take a break. We need a little rest, I think. (laughs) okay plus end of the year, New Year's. Uh, Many of you, it's going to be, you know, like Christmas holidays, winter holidays, New Year's, all of this. So, what we'll probably do is maybe sometime around the end of January, maybe beginning of February, we could then do a new challenge and we'll focus on output. So, we'll focus on speaking and we could do writing too. We could do speaking and writing. Some of you want to do writing, I know. So, uh, and that'll fit me. <laughs> cause I hope that if I can continue the same amount of listening I'm doing now with Japanese, I think I'll I will be ready to start doing some speaking. To f- uh, probably around end of January. That's that's kind of my plan right now. Is that I'll have enough hours then? Then I'm gonna start trying to do some speaking a little bit in the beginning and then increasing of course we never stop listening we never stop listening we never stop reading so we'll continue to do that but we could maybe do some focus on speaking then and have a speaking challenge maybe a little bit shorter like a three-month speaking challenge or something like that so up though just keep it in mind we'll probably try to do that after the end of the new year And as part of that speaking challenge I get I think to just one more point to make it fairly easy for us to do I think we'll we will include shadowing as part as uh, to count shadowing as speaking practice because you know It can be difficult and expensive (laughs) to use tutors, right? Online chatting with a native speaker. That can be expensive if you use something like italki, if you have to pay them every hour. So, we can do a lot of speaking alone by doing shadowing, pronunciation practice, things like this. We'll talk about this later, but uh, we'll include that as part of our speaking challenge the shadowing technique because then you can do lots of hours of that you can do that alone you can do that yourself of course it's nice to have conversations also that that's probably the best but we'll do shadowing as part of it too so this will really help maybe we'll do we'll count the hours differently shadowing and then talking to real people and we'll count those hours different All right, I'll take one more, and then I'm gonna go, I gotta go to bed. Well, I'm not going to bed, but I gotta I gotta watch some babies. Watch my babies. All right, uh, I'll, this, I'll do, finish with this one. AJ from Stan. How do I use deep learning in reading? ah specifically in reading well i you know the i think my favorite advice for this there's a couple things you can do you can reread right read again something you could read a book and then read it again read a story and read it again and again and again several times that's one way it can maybe become a little boring sometimes so the other way is to read a lot of books different books but by the same writer because you'll still get a lot of repetition so uh, let me find uh, what's this guy's name one second I'm going to give you some specific advice but, but I'll give you the probably like the most common ones so there's Stephen King right so writer oh Clive Clive something Clive Cussler there he is Clive Cluster, books in order. I'm just going to give you this as an example. Okay, this, this is a What you can do is you can choose one writer, one writer who writes about the same... This, who writes the same kinds of stories. And because of that, each story, each book will be different. The characters will be different, but you'll get a huge amount of repetition of vocabulary. So, it's, it's deep learning, but it, you're also getting variety. So, I'll give you an example. One example, Stephen King. So, what kind of stories? Mostly, not all, but mostly he writes scary stories, right? Horror, scary stories. So, you could just read lots and lots and lots of Stephen King books if you like him. Uh, I'll get this other example, this guy named Clive Cussler, if you're watching on video. Now, this guy is interesting. He's a best-selling writer, very famous, and he writes books about water, about ships. He really likes ships, you know, boats. So, he kind of writes mysteries and adventures, but they all happen on the ocean, right? So, you're going to get, again, a lot of repetition of vocabulary connected to travel, boats, mystery, and you could just read, you know, he's got a huge number. Like, here's a list of his 25 top books. I think he's probably got, I don't know how many books this guy has written, 100 And they're all about... They all are connected to water (laughs) and boats. Which is kind of interesting. And some of these... Another one would... Another example would be romance. Maybe, uh, especially women, you might like this. So, if you like romance books, you could just choose one writer. What's her name? Daniel Steele, for example. And read a huge number of her books. Um... Kaula in Turkey. Oh, what's that guy? There's a, I can't remember the woman's name, the writer, but she really liked the books, Sophie something, but they're about shopaholic. It's like the series, shopaholic. And it's about this woman who likes shopping. And uh Cala would just read all those books. And there, I think there are lots of them, right? So, you can do series of books like this. Goosebumps, that's one I recommend. Those are for, mostly for like, you know, older kids, but they're kind of scary mystery stories. They're not too difficult. And I think there are like 50 of them or 70 of them. There's a huge number. So, you can read these book series. You get a lot of repetition of vocabulary and phrases and even grammar but you don't get bored because because each story is different. So, that's how I recommend doing deep learning with reading. All right, guys. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to go now. Lots of love to you. Now, remember again, my Business English course. Coming soon, get on my email list if you want that discount code or become a VIP member even better. All right. Do that at EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Go now to EffortlessEnglishClub.com. Mwah. See you tomorrow.